Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting Friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. We've got a jam-packed show for our Monday Scramble podcast. Jason Day, a winner for two consecutive weeks on the PGA Tour. He has regained his throne as world number one, knocking Jordan Spieth to number two. And Adam Scott, is he your master's favorite after getting two wins on the Florida swing, if you will? George Savarikas, Rex Hoggard, Will Gray, guys. First off, before we get to what Jason Day did at the WGC Dell match play, what do you guys think of the new venue? In Austin Country Club. That seemed to be the unsung hero, you, if you will, of the week. The backhanded comment. It's the best yeah. course of its kind. I think we heard yeah. a couple yeah. of those coming from Roy being the one. He kind of straddled the fence on that. No, I, I, speaking as someone who went to the top of that mountain in Tucson when it was at Dove Mountain for all those years, <laughs> it, it was always going to be an upgrade. I don't think it was a very popular course at all. And as far as match play goes, it was probably fine. But I think the, a combination of the new venue, slight format change, they allowed for half points during the first three rounds of round-robin play, that helped. And I think the new sponsor added a level of excitement that hadn't been there in a couple of years. Yeah, I really think that the course seemed conducive to match play. Sure. I think it, there are a couple of tweaks. I would love to see that grandstand behind 13 that served as a backboard kind of pulled out and made a couple different tweaks that way. But as you said, all it did was show just how terrible Dove Mountain was for <laughs> this tournament. And it, it's, it just blew it, blew it away. You know, one year at Harding Park, that was great. But this is, it, it re-energized the, uh, the tournament. And I think the point here is that when it comes to match play, it really doesn't matter. I think in a stroke play event, the golf course is more of a story just by default. Just guys, guys are going to be talking about certain holes, whether that should be a par five or that should be a par four. In this particular case, it really doesn't matter. You want to see birdies, you want to see eagles, and we certainly saw a lot of that over the weekend. Well, I'd say it definitely matters for a match play venue. This course of the back nine was perfectly conducive to having exciting risk-reward yeah. type yeah. shots on 12, 13, even having 18 as a drivable par four at least earlier in the week. It added that excitement, whereas Dove Mountain, the example you guys both keep alluding to, it really just had that drivable par 4 15th, and that was about it. There wasn't a, a lot of uh, excitement, if you will, on that closing stretch. Yeah, definitely a venue upgrade. I still have questions about the format. I, I am not a fan of some of these format changes. I don't know that I'm ever going to be a fan of the format for this event, but the notion of... The round robin is what you're talking the, about. Yeah, the round yeah. robin setup. So a lot of people are hung up The on notion that head-to-head -head doesn't matter in a match play setup is ridiculous. <laughs> if, if the three of us are in a pool together and, Rex, I beat you like a drum on Wednesday, I shouldn't have to beat you again in a playoff on Friday if we end up with the same record. You know what's funny is I remember before the PGA Tour did this, I remember asking George O'Grady, who was the commissioner of the European Tour at the time, about their match play, and they had already started this sort of a round robin type, and he was not a fan. He made it perfectly clear he did not like what they had done to their form 
format to, to make sure that these players were around for the first two or three days like the PGA Tour has had. And I understand that from a traditionalist point of view. You've got to look at it from 30,000 feet, though. If you're Dell and you're paying that kind of money, yeah. you want to see those guys around for three days. And, and Look, it, they took the best Wednesday in golf and they kind of watered it down over three days. I get that. No one really likes that scenario. But by that same token, you lose the first round, guys still have a little bit of a chance at it. It was better this year. Last year at Harding Park, I think there were seven guys on, that went into Friday's final round of the round-robin play. Didn't have a chance. That was ridiculous. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> All right, let's move along to Jason Day winning for the second consecutive week on the PGA Tour and becoming world number one. How impressed, we'll start with you, Will, were you by his performance in Austin, what he was able to do? Only had to play 101 holes. Well, I guess first I'm supposed to be impressed by his ability to stay upright every single day. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, the guy's battling back trouble, and that's no joke, but I, it's getting to be the, the boy who cried wolf a little bit. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's impressive that he keeps going out and playing at such a high level. The match against Rory is everything you could ever want with a high stakes match play set up coming down to the final hole. Mm -hmm. The guy makes putt. That was awesome. Uh, you know, clearly, I, I put this out on Twitter yesterday. I welcome our new Australian overlords. Between him and Adam <laughs> Scott, we just might as well all just take up citizenship down under. I mean, the guy, you can't ask for any more momentum than this heading into, into the Masters. Mark he, Leishman doesn't impress you. you? You left him off that list. Well, not yet. Mark, is Mark Leishman going to make the Olympics, right? No, no, no. Probably no, not. Probably I, not. I don't have to pay up quite yet. <laughs> not yet. I'll admit it. Uh, you know what? It's funny. I've known Jason since he was 15. I met him when I was doing a story. He was still in the amateur. I was in Australia. And it, just a, a lovely person. I, I really enjoy being around him. The part that I don't get is what you just pointed out. I mean, he is a borderline hypochondriac sometimes when you sit and you look at all the things that he's had to deal with. In his career and I was doing a radio interview about this yesterday and I was trying to explain there was a point in his first year on the PGA Tour 2008 when he was having a wrist issue and the doctors his diagnosis was okay we're going to have to cut your arm completely off and then shave off just a millimeter a little bit and then put it back together luckily calmer heads prevailed but that's how that's the road that he's been going down ever since he turned professional I don't get it He's not the kind of person that likes the spotlight. He doesn't like the attention no. that comes with that kind of thing. But you're right. It, it, it is sort of a little concerning when week in and week out there's something that comes up that you're always concerned about his health. Why do you think he gets so much flack for having these injuries, that there's this fatigue, whereas every guy in the PGA Tour, as you guys know, deals with lower back pain at some point in their career. He dealt with it on Wednesday, yet it seems like there's backlash to, yet again, Jason Day saying he has an injury. How do we know what his pain threshold is or what he's dealing with? Well, yeah, I mean, there's no way to know what he's dealing with, and you don't want to make light of, of a guy's injury if he's really hurt, but you just look at the, the overall body of work right now. I mean, you would think at 28 years old, as the number one ranked player in the world, staying healthy in golf would, wouldn't be an issue. You look at, I mean, Tiger is off on his own, but I think it's it's the collection of its back, its vertigo, its wrist. It's it's a lot of different things that continually pop up with regularity. It's not like he goes two years and then you have a couple things pop up. It seems like every two or three months there is something wrong health-wise with Jason Day. It's is just that because he's actually in the spotlight, whereas if you get a guy like a, a, a Jamie Lovemark or Maybe. someone who's in his mid-20s who had a back injury, you're not as fixated on a guy who's 150th in the world compared to a guy who's a, a yeah. top 10 talent and now number one. It definitely could be. I mean, but when the guy passes out from vertigo at the U.S. Open, you want to talk about a big spotlight. It doesn't get any bigger than that. And then, you know, there are probably a lot of guys in the field last week that dealt with back pain, but he's the only one that's doubled over on the first round, and he's the only one that's walking sideways into the bunker. And, 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 and I don't doubt for a minute that, that he has some sort of back issue. I mean, again, I, I've known him for a long time. I didn't doubt when yeah. he had wrist issues I and agree. everything. I'm sure the vertigo 
vertigo was very difficult to deal with. I mean, I don't think you collapse in the middle of a fairway during the U.S. Open just because you're a little dizzy. Right. I, I think that was legitimate. My concern is the fact that he's having all of these health issues. And look, he takes care of himself. He is in the gym just uh, alongside everyone else that's on the PGA Tour trying to do the right things, trying to avoid these. The fact that we're talking about a guy in his 20s that has spent as much time on the DL and in the doctor's office and in the MRI machine as he has, that's the part that worries me. Because it seems like a good example to bring up Louis Oosthuizen and travels with his own mattress, deals with a ton of back pain. <laughs> he doesn't get nearly the flack that a Jason Day or some of these younger guys necessarily I he, get. I mean, I think he was getting a fair amount of flack a couple years WD. ago when he was, when he was withdrawn from these events. I think that he, he has been able to string together two years relatively health, healthy, and without having those issues, he's had a couple of runner-up finishes in the majors, and he's trending in the right direction. But I think that, I mean, 18 months ago, Louis Tazen is outside the world top 50, and we're talking about him as a one-hit wonder who can't stay upright, and that's changed now. Hey, look, I'm working, uh, I'm working on a fitness book right now, and they're going to ding a bell because every time I mention Bing. that, they're, they're going to ding the bell. But I'm working on a fitness book right now, and the fact is, is there is not one guy on the PGA Tour that's not dealing with something. Now, whether if he talks to you about it on Friday afternoon when he finishes up shooting 75 or not, that's the difference. You know, Jason's in a position now where he's having to talk after every round. He's world number one. That comes with the territory. And he openly talks about these injuries. The difference is, what's in interesting, you bring up Tiger Woods, a lot of times he wouldn't tell us about the injuries until they got to the point that he was missing big events, and then he obviously did have to talk about it. So it's an interesting dynamic between Jason Day being as open as he is and honest as he is versus a guy like Tiger who didn't like to talk about his injuries. He didn't want maybe to show a sign of weakness, and so in that light, we didn't see all the injuries he dealt with and everyone else, else deals with as much as what we see from Jason. We're going to have more on Jason Day a little later on our Monday Scramble podcast here. Let's shift the focus now to the guy going for the career Grand Slam, who, if he could possibly be flying under the radar a bit as far as favorites going into Augusta, it seems like he hasn't been vaulted to the top of that conversation with what Adam Scott and Jason Day have been able to do. What would you say the, the status is of Rory's game right now with an eye towards Augusta? I, I think he's playing very, very good. Now, clearly, I think he's still becoming comfortable with the cross-handed grip, and we were talking about this before the show. He just has to put okay. If he hits the ball as well as he's capable of, and you know we've seen it time and time again at, at different venues where he wins by eight strokes, if he hits the ball like that, he's only got a putt average. Middle of the pack is fine. It, where he's getting himself into trouble is he's being aggressive and putting himself into difficult spots. We saw Doral a few weeks ago when he, he hit. said he played too conservative though at Doral, not too aggressive, and that's what held him back. That was his comment on Sunday. And, and, and that's the part that you don't get because he talked about it on Saturday night. You know, with the lead going, he said, "I have to be aggressive." I learned my lesson at the Masters in 2011. About yeah. playing too conservative. So I think in, these, in a situation like he was in, especially in a match play situation, I mean, I, again, he went up against Jason Day, who's the hottest player on the planet right now. But if his putting can come around, I would still make him not my favorite, but I'd put him in the top three going into Augusta. Yeah, I certainly think that he's in the mix. I think he played really well over the weekend. But I think you also have to remember that were it not for an absolute melt job from Thor Bjorn Olsson on Wednesday, he doesn't win the group. And he's out, and we're talking about Rory's early exit, and does it, does it add to his recent woes? I still am really troubled by what he said Sunday at Bay Hill about compounding mental errors and going up to Augusta National, the course that above all else will do that to a player, even on top of his game. 
I think he got a little bit of confidence, kind of kind of settled things down at the match play, but I still have my questions about when, I mean, at, at Augusta, things are going to go sideways for one, two, 17 holes, whatever. At some point in your round, across four days, things are going to get a little squirrely. I still wonder about how Rory's going to be able to respond. Is there, at what point do you have a level of concern that he hasn't closed out tournaments in 2016? He's had a string of good top five, top ten finishes, but he hasn't been able to mitigate the big air that we've seen, especially Bay Hills, like the perfect litmus test. He shoots 67, 65, bookended by two rounds in the mid-70s. So at what point is there a concern, Rex, for you that he hasn't been throwing the hammer down on Sundays and closing out events? Uh, and, and none at all, and here's why. I think we've still lapsed into this realm of unrealistic expectations, and it was set by Tiger Woods that every time he got in a hunt on Sunday, we expected him to win. It's hard to win on the PGA Tour, particularly now, when you're looking at the players and the level of play that's out there with Jason Day and Jordan Spieth and, and what Adam Scott has done the last few weeks, not to mention Bubba Watson. It, you, you only have to stumble a little bit for those guys to back up. And I, I think the one thing that I would point to is the fact that Rory is putting himself into contention, that at least he's giving himself these chances. I think that's what he's going to hang his hat on going down Magnolia Lane. Yeah, I would say, I mean, his last final round of stroke play was still a 65 with a double at Bay Hill. I mean, that's a pretty good emphasis. Now, he... He had some troubles earlier in the week that made his 65 basically irrelevant. Yeah, not existent. But at the same time, I, I feel like he let one get away at Doral, and that, and other than that, I'm not overly concerned with his Maybe a little bit in today. L.A., too. You could say Do the same thing. Do you think his short game sharp enough, though? Because remember last year in Augusta, he was three over the first 27 holes, and then with the pressure off, was able to go 15 under his last 45 when he wasn't really in the conversation as far as chasing down speed on Sunday. I mean, I think his short game is certainly solid and it's world class. I would echo what Rex said, that the big unknown for him is going to be on the greens. Mm -hmm. And going left-hand low on 5, 10, 15-foot putts on those greens with as, as much undulation as they have, only Rory knows how confident he is in that stroke. And it's going to take some time with the cross-handed grip. He talked about it. When I talked with Dave Stockton Sr., he mentioned it that, look, obviously you feel more comfortable with five-footers. That's the whole idea of where you do it. When you get to the 20, 30-foot range, suddenly you don't have the feel that you had before. And, and Rory has done this before, but he's been majority, the most of his career, professional career, putting regularly, putting traditionally. I think it's going to take him some time to get that feel, particularly at a place like Augusta National. The early returns, though, have been positive compared yeah. to I mean you couldn't get much worse than where it was at the beginning of 2016 so at least it seems like he's trending on the right direction and if we learn anything from Adam Scott again going back to my bet with you last year I didn't think he was going to be able to make his way through this ban on anchored putting as well as he has and I think it's all about commitment he committed himself to this new way and decided that look this is what I'm gonna focus on and it really turned around quickly for him yeah clearly uh, yeah we'll have to see but I agree with you that He's ahead of the curve right now. I got off to a slow start in 2016, but he's certainly trending in the right direction. Augusta, as it always is, is going to be a big litmus test. Guy who got off to about as good as any start as possible in 2016, Jordan Spieth winning the Hyundai Tournament of Champions by eight. Since then, it's kind of been touch and go with where his game is at. We haven't quite seen the, the heights that he was able to put together in that magical run in 2015. Where would you say Jordan's at as far as the short list of favorites at Augusta. Got, he's got to be there, near the top at least. You go second and first in your first two. Be more specific, Willie. Yeah, is that uh, your list or no, just in general? Well, Who no, do you right, have? So, what so, we've seen. All right, so here. So the Vegas list, up to, <laughs> up to the minute, has the three of them, has Rory, Jordan, and Jason, all co-favorites, seven to one. What's that, the Will Gray list? The Will Gray list I would could go probably, to covers.com and you, see. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would probably put Jason ahead of Jordan, and I would definitely put Jordan ahead of Rory.
You would put Jordan ahead of Roy? Yes. Okay. And I might throw Bubba in the mix with Jason. Those, those are probably my top two right now. No Adam Scott. Adam Scott is up there. I mean, you get six guys here. They're, we're talking about separated oh, by it. a little bit. But, um, yeah, I have questions about Rory. And, and there's still some questions about Jordan. I think that there's an extra burden. We've seen this with Bubba of just going in as a defending champ. There's a and lot he's not more. playing great. I mean, well, let's get shoot. to that. Don't cut me off. Oh, sorry. Didn't want to sugarcoat it. Well, yeah, he's not playing great, but that's the but the the point is that he's first off going to have some extra distractions going in as defending champ, but also he's his game isn't where he wants it to be. He's coming up with with I don't want to say excuses, but but he's a lot quicker to, to the trigger with here's what here's what's going on, and and there seem to be more things going on between the ears than we've seen before. And then you have the fatigue. This is going to be nine weeks out of twelve when he gets to Augusta. But the guy was ten under his first three rounds. Looked phenomenal. Everyone was saying he Steve did. looks like top of the world. He has one bad afternoon, which it just so happened that it was on. Well, let me tell you what, George, one bad afternoon at Augusta National is yeah. going to hurt your chances. Ask Rory about one bad agree, afternoon on Saturday at Augusta. The narrative somehow is Rory, we take all these positives, and he lucked out with the Thorbjorn Olison meltdown. Sure. And then Jordan has his one bad day, and it seems like it's totally different end of the tracks as far as where his game is at based on what we saw in Austin. And I think the makeup of Jordan's game, let's face it, unlike Rory, who you know kind of relies on his ball right. striking and that ability to overpower golf courses, Jordan's ability to putt well, that can change on a dime. Yep. Whereas in a, with, yeah. a, with a guy like Jason Day or Rory McIlroy, they're going to have to work on that for a little while to get back up to the top. With Jordan Spieth, he could turn it around on Thursday morning at Augusta. Next thing you know, he's got a 15-stroke lead going into the final round. I mean, I'm not going to put that by him. He's not on my list of favorites. It's Bubba Watson at 10-1 to 1 on those odds that we just saw. That, that blows me away. I mean, the fact that he has slipped that far below the radar. I mean, just look at the record. The guy's got two of those things already in his closet. And the last time he finished runner-up at Doral, what did he do? Took home another one. Hey, I mean, yeah. so I think you need to look at the list of guys, number one, who played well at Augusta, and number two, look at the guys who are playing well right now. Bubba checks off both those boxes. I, I always struggle to, when I'm, if I'm putting together Masters Power Rankings, which I sometimes do, uh, <laughs> I struggle to go at the number one slot with a guy who hasn't won at Augusta. And that's why I would give an extra bump definitely to Bubba and also to Adam. I just think that we've seen Jason in that in that pressure cooker before, and he didn't fare well. We've seen Rory. Well, he didn't fare different. well. He got the, the, the Adam beat him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he no. had Schwartzel year. He was well, no, he posted yeah. 12 under, yeah, and Schwartzel birdies the last no, four. He should, he and lost by two. 16. Anyway, he didn't win. The guy didn't win. There are a lot of different ways to lose at Augusta. I, he found one of them. And I think Rory would probably fall under the same pressure. I mean, he talks about flying under the radar, but at some point on Sunday afternoon, the career Grand Slam starts dancing through your head and the idea that I could get this done this year. So, yeah, I, I certainly agree with what he's saying about putting a guy up there that's not done it. Yeah. I mean, you can't act like you've been there if you haven't been there. So in this particular case... So then case, you can't put Rory up there. He hasn't done it. And that's why no, I put Bubba I would, up there. I have a variety of reasons why I wouldn't put Rory up I there. Would that's almost, just one of them. I would feel more comfortable so putting Phil Mickelson up top there. three in the world. Rory, Jordan, Jason. What pecking order are you doing for Augusta? Jason, Jordan, Rory. You're putting Jason number one. Of those three, yeah. Even though he hasn't done it before. Yeah, but I would probably, I'd probably put Bubba ahead of Jason. I'd flip it a little bit. I, Jordan, Jason, Rory is how I would do it. But I mean, You put Jordan atop your list based on... Because he's done it, what he's done the last two years. <laughs> yeah. You can't ignore the, the fact. And again, what I just pointed out, his putting is such a fine line that if suddenly if the 24ers start going in like they did pretty much all of last year, then that's, that's the difference for him. What does he have to do this week at the Shell Houston Open, which he's playing, and a lot of guys who are among the top ten in the world are now using Shell to have them selves prepped for Augusta. What do you need to see out of him? Rest. 
That's it. I mean, yeah, you say. So, what, a miscut? What, what does no, that mean? I, don't I, say, I meant results cut. wise, what do we need to see out of him? Uh, no, I think the fatigue factor is huge. I mean, he's probably not going to talk about it at least for a little while longer. Yeah, uh, if he hasn't talked about it now, he's certainly not going to talk about it the last it. week. He has to ask. He's going to get asked. About <laughs> I'm exhausted, it. but right. yeah, first finally, major after eight weeks, he's going to break down and answer it. I, don't, I mean, I just think that it, he's been worn down so much. If you look at his schedule over the last, I don't know, four months going all the way back to the end of last season. I think it's been so overwhelming for him that he just needs to find a way to regroup and go back to what he was doing last year. Whatever it is he maybe tinkered with on the offseason, whatever it is he's trying to do on the golf course now, he really needs to revert because he talks about we, the team. The team needs to do everything they did last year. Yeah. For me, for, for Jordan at Houston, it's not what I need to see out of him. It's what I don't want to see out of him. It's going to be the absence of errors it's going to be the absence of this talk of my mental my mental game isn't where i want it to be if he just goes in and is steady and puts together four even two solid rounds if he goes you know 73 70 and misses the cup by a shot i mean that's fine with me i don't i don't think that's gonna be a big issue but i just don't want to see the blow-ups or the flare-ups or him sitting there trying to, to psychoanalyze himself in the in the flash area and figure out what's going wrong and i've never bought into this idea that you can show up at the shell houston open and get a good prep for the masters nothing can compare to augusta national and, and they have done a very good steve Timms, the tournament director has done a wonderful job of sort of turning that golf course into something that they would like to compare to augusta and maybe in certain of the chipping areas they are but it's not the real deal you won't feel it until you show up on monday at augusta but obviously from a course standpoint it's not the feel of augusta but getting the competitive juices like jordan had last year losing in that playoff and actually being in the throes of contending on the PGA Tour, there's got to be something to said, said for oh, that. Oh, sure, absolutely. I mean, Phil Mickelson's probably the perfect yeah. example. I mean, he loves to play the week before for that particular reason. He wants to feel the competitive juices. Some guys, Roy McIlroy is going to spend the next week here in Florida probably working on that, that cross-handed putting stroke. So I, I just think it depends on the individual. I, I don't think if, he, if Jordan finishes tied for 20th, he's going to be worrying about it too much when he shows up. Speaking of Phil Mickelson, we've been hammering about the, the top six guys in the world. Basically, they're on everyone's shortlist for Augusta one way or another. What guys outside of the top six in the world are catching your eye as not necessarily a dark horse, but someone else to throw into the conversation, be it a Zach Johnson, who's already donned a green jacket, or a Patrick Reed? Which guys who aren't getting the spotlight right now could be a big factor? I'm going to go. Uh, go. No, no. If you're going to go, well, then go. I think, <laughs> I think Phil would be the guy that stands out. Normally, I wouldn't say this just because of how amped up he seems to get now when he goes down Magnolia Lane, but he has played well this year, and I think he's starting to look at these last few opportunities as what they are. I mean, it's the sun's setting on not just his PGA Tour career, but his Masters career as well. So he would be one guy, Louie. Yeah. I mean, I think he has to be the other one. I mean, he's played phenomenal golf lately and, again, completely under the radar. Yeah, I was just going to say, how about Team South Africa? Any of them. I mean, Brendan Grace? Louis, Brendan Grace, Charles Schwartzel. One of those guys is going to be on the leaderboard on Sunday. Absolutely. You have a heck of a time trying to figure out which one, but chances are that one of them is going to be there. Any other names aside from those are clearly would take both of those. But as far as guys who haven't necessarily popped up, onto that stage who are in the top 25 in the world, like a, a Danny Willett type or someone that could surprise people. The American golf fan may not be as familiar with them, but they have the game to compete on a world-class stage. I mean, the name I would think of is going back to what you had mentioned is Patrick Reed. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a guy that American golf fans will know, but I certainly could see him playing Having well his coming this out week. party. Yeah, type. Patrick Reed, I don't know that he needs another coming out party after wearing a belt buckle of himself at the match play, but... You don't uh, have one of those. I do not. Maybe I need to. I need to get a belt buckle guy. <laughs> I like that. 
Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. But, uh, yeah, I think Patrick Reed could definitely contend. Uh, but probably Brooks Kepka would be the one that stands out to me. And he has not played his best golf so far in this season. But when you look at the firepower that he has, if everything falls into place, I think he would be a guy that could probably make something happen at Augusta. You feel like the equipment stuff is uh, taken care of with him? Switch to Nike? Yeah, I do. And, and he was probably the one I was worried most about. Of all the guys who made big changes, I mean, obviously Tony Finau winning last yep. week is a, is a huge step for him in the right direction. But of all the guys that made switches, particularly the, the PXG guys, they were able to change without changing golf balls. Everyone I spoke to on the tour said the bigger issue is going to be the guys that went to Nike because they have to go, like Brooks Kepka to a Nike golf ball. That's the harder transition to make. And he played really well to start the season in Maui. And has, again, has hasn't played his best stuff yet, but I think he's made the transition fine. And let's quickly work in Tony Finau, because that was the other event that was on the schedule. Obviously, all the focus was in Austin for a World Golf Championship event, but for Finau to win the Puerto Rico Open in that fashion, what do you think it'll do for him, not just going forward? Because long-term, I think everyone thinks this guy's going to win multiple times in the PGA Tour, but for this season, how do you think that'll set him up? Well, yeah, I, th I mean, it's huge for the season. The big thing for him, it doesn't get him the Masters, but it gets him that two-year exemption, so he's good through 2018. And that's just going to free him up to, to be able to just, you're not having to think about the card. And that's such a big deal when you're in that 70 to 140 slot on the FedEx Cup and you're always looking at the standings and trying to figure outside out, the am, I, am I in the Invitationals? Am I inside the 125? Am I, am I doing all this? So he's, he was already in the players in the PGA. He's going to go to Kapalua, which, hello, Tony Fino at Kapalua, that's going to be fun <laughs> to watch, try and pipe one about 420 to keep up with Jason Day. But, yeah, it's huge. We've seen this event serve as a springboard before remember 2013 jordan spieth yeah. finished second and this this event really helped him lock up the card he went on to win the john deere later Chesson hadley won in 2014 he won rookie of the year last year emiliano grillo lost in a playoff now we see him come out get his tour card win the first event of the new season so this is this has been a, a tournament that the winners or people that really contend are able to springboard into bigger and better things and you you look at he had all the skills i mean he hits at a mile he, when he's Putting well, he clearly is among some of the game's best. The one thing is what you just pointed out. I think the confidence that this will give him to finally get over that hump. He's only been on tour two years, so it's not as though he's been waiting around too long. But to get over that hump and to go forward and feel like I can compete week in, week out. Uh, quick plug, Ryan Lavner. There you great go. Great feature. GolfChannel.com. Yeah. Definitely. Every uh, now and then, Lavner churns one out. This was it just this took was him one six months. This but was it one was of fine. them. It, it yeah. took him half a year to do Finau's it. road has been unique, to say the least, trying to get to the tour. Oh, definitely. It's, I think he's got to be one of the best stories on the PGA Tour, mm. hands down, especially his background, too, as a guy who played high school hoops and had D1 basketball offers and then turns pro at 18. I mean, it's so unique compared to anything else you really see out there. Yeah. No, it's a great story, and, and he is a great story. Yeah. And I think the more and more confidence he gets, he's one of those guys that we spent the first 15 minutes of the show talking about those top five. He could work his way in there for a lot of reasons. One, he has the game and the talent, but one, two, he's such a compelling story. Yep, for sure. Right. we got to uh, get to our shout-outs now for our Monday Scramble podcast, guys. What do you got? Who what? Since We're going to let Will be first in the team for the <laughs> shout-out. I know. I see the look of shock on your face. You uh, let it rip. Uh, I'm going to shout-out to Villanova. Just for beating Kansas, <laughs> screwed up everyone's brackets. Uh, I thought it was great. So was very great. I respect that. Yeah, yeah, sure. The the rock chalk stuff. They're <laughs> on the pine just with you guys. Uh, but no, Jay Wright coaching them up, and we'll see how they how they handle Buddy Heald in Houston. But I thought it was a good game. Good for Nova. I'm going to stick to golf. A, a shout out, and I normally wouldn't do this, uh, but Tim Fincham. 
Signing, oh. signing a one-year contract, but he, you know, his term is coming up. His commission, oh, the company line? and everything that he has done has been, you know, I'm going to try to write about this on Wednesday. When you look at what he's done for the tour, you can say that oh, well, he had Tiger Woods from '97 going forward. But there are a lot of times when things could have gone over the cliff, and he, cliff, and he has done a wonderful job. How about you? I was going to give my shout out to Tony Finau getting his first career go. PGA uh, Tour victory. He had a rough stretch in the Florida swing, a bunch of missed cuts, but. As you guys know, one of the great guys to deal with yep. week in and week out on the PGA Tour. He uh, carries himself really well. And then even what Steve Marino did, it was fun to see that back and forth and to produce that exciting a finish in an event that didn't have a lot of eyeballs compared to what was going on in Austin. It was a lot of fun to watch and fun to see. It was. So definitely got to give Tony Finau a little love. Here's what you can catch this week. And, folks, we have the first major of 2016, the ANA Inspiration from Rancho Mirage, California. Our coverage begins on Thursday from that. The Shell Houston Open you can catch right here on Golf Channel as well as on NBC. And, of course, the Mississippi Golf Resort Classic in Biloxi. That's... That's a big one, guys. Beautiful Biloxi. <laughs> <laughs> First town. of how many majors for the LPGA? Is that five majors? First of five, five, unless they add one this summer. And they could add one this you summer. Never First know. of five in 2016. Before I make you guys select a Masters winner, who do you got for the NA Inspiration? Last year was a lot of fun to watch. Brittany Linson come over, Stacey Lewis in a playoff. I was watching the replay this morning on Morning Drive, and I, for, for that, I'm going to go with Stacey Lewis. She, she, she has to do it eventually, I would think. Uh, I feel like Inby Park is a pretty safe bet in any LPGA major, <laughs> so I will stick with Chalk. Lydia Coe. You can have Lydia Coe, who just won by two in a row. Yeah. Boom. Uh, there we go. She won the last one, one in 2016. And then, before we go, we got to start going the Masters route. you got to really firm it down to one guy. Who's your pick? Bubba. Easy enough, going with the easy, easy enough. Right. I, I got out of the Bubba Watson doubting business a long time ago. I kept thinking, well, he's hit a ceiling, he's hit a ceiling. He has not hit a ceiling. Bubba. Two oh. Bubba's. Two Bubba's. Bubba's. Right now, Bubba's top in the list. You never know. Bubba Ball's days, pretty good until they start backing those tees up on Washington Road. <laughs> I'm going to go Roy McIlroy. Wow. wow. So much for your argument about... Yeah. yeah. Boy, have, you not listen, have you not listened to this? <laughs> you spent 20 minutes blowing in the wind here. <laughs> you know, I said I liked the, the changes that he's made with the putter. Now he's had about a month to get acclimated to it, and he's trending in the right direction. So I, I think it's his time. For Jason Day, it's just so hard to win three consecutive starts yeah. yep. on the PGA Tour. So that would be the only reason. He, he's been too good prior to the Masters that to sustain that momentum. Uh, he's come close to doing it. Last summer went in four or six, but that would be the only knock. And he's right. Yes. Rest. There it is. Back home in Florida resting right now, so I, I like that pick. All right, guys, we'll see how it plays out. Always a lot of fun for Rex Haggard. Will Gray, George Savarikas, thanks so much for joining us on the Monday Scramble podcast. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.